Good morning, friends. It was, uh, it's always beautiful to see the uh, baby dedications. And uh, that's, that in itself, that little five-minute segment was enough to get you through the week in terms of uh, just how, how much of a picture that is of, of what God is doing. And um, so it's, I think it's great that all the kids are in here for this, and uh, I just, I love it. So, and if everybody, you know, gets loud, that's okay. I'll just keep going. I've got a microphone, so I can, I can get over that. So, uh, we just, we just, yeah, if your kids are here, they're welcome, and we're glad they're here. So, uh, thanks for being here. Uh, this fourth Sunday in Advent, our topic is love. Uh, you know, in terms of, of that of love in the Bible, that's a nice, concise topic. Uh, it's a, it only spans the entire Bible. It's only the foundation of everything that God is and does. Uh, so, when you get a topic like that, it's uh, it's easy to to just go. You know, how, how do you how do you narrow this down and and, and get through this in only uh, you know a two hour sermon? Uh, and so, uh, buckle up, everybody. No. <clears throat> I did a, I did a, just a, just like a two-second search on Amazon. There's like 30 books about love in the Bible, like about what they just like, and that was just like two seconds. I just counted as until it got down to something that wasn't that. So I'm sure there's probably a hundred. That's a secular bookstore, by the way. That's not even a Christian bookstore. Um, the most recent sermon series that we finished was uh, the Book of Ruth. Um, and we, we looked at that the whole series was about love. It, you know, the book of Ruth is it's just all about love. And so we did uh, seven or eight sermons that were, were all about love uh, through the book of Ruth. Uh, some of us read, uh, in, in preparation for that, some of us read a book by Paul Miller called A Loving Life, which, was, uh, which again, was all about Ruth. And uh, so we've, we've talked about love a lot from this pulpit in recent months. Earlier in the year... Uh, you know, sort of in the springtime, we did a series, of the, the One Another's. You guys remember the One Another's series? Um, we, we went through sort of the New Testament epistles um, and, uh, and, and some of the phrases that the writers of those books were teaching the church, the young church at the time, um, how, to, how to interact with each other, right? And so they, they told us to, you know, do this to one another, do that to one another. Uh, Pastor Matt kicked us off back in April with that series. Um, and he summed up the entire series with one word. Love, right. Love one another. That's really the root of all of the, all of the things. And so we, we talked about serving one another and being patient with one another and forbearing one another. But all of those are just different ways to say loving one another. So we, we've done a, we did a whole series in the springtime about, about love as well. Um, <clears throat> if you're new or visiting with us this morning and you didn't get to hear those, uh, they're all on our website. We've got sermons going back for, for years. Um, it also gives you sort of a general idea of, of how we approach teaching at Terra Nova, um, generally taking books or passages and, and, um, and studying them d- sort of didactically and, and in order. And um, we, we tend to approach scriptures looking for, you know, from a, from a simple standpoint of, of, uh, of, of just how do we approach it. It starts with what do we learn about God, that, that eternal lens? What do we learn about ourselves, uh, that internal lens? And what do we learn about how we're supposed to treat the world, that, that external lens of what we're, what we're supposed to do? And so um, occasionally, uh, like in Advent, 
as far as our teaching goes, we, we choose topics and focus on those, and so, so here we are. Um, love. So our, our big idea today is, um, is simple, because uh, I'm a simple guy, uh, but it's profound, because all of the Bible is profound. It's, it's both easy to grasp and impossible to exhaust. It's both foundational and also beyond fully understanding. So our big idea is this. To know God is to love others because God is love. It's a, it's a lesson that could be for Sunday school, uh, any age group, or it can be the entire sermon. Um, one of my favorite verses is uh, 2 Peter 1, verses uh, 12 and 13. It says this, uh, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, although you know them, and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. And uh, sort of my own little version, my own little interpretation is that, uh, is that's uh, Paul, Peter's way of saying, I'm always going to go back to the basics and help you focus on those. And, uh, and so that's, that's, that's sort of what we're, what we're doing today. Um, our passage this morning is uh, 1 John 4, verses 7 through 21. I'd, I'd like to read it aloud. Um, it's in your pew Bibles on page 1212. It's uh, near the blue pew Bibles, or it will probably be on the screen behind me as well. Uh, if you're able, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? 1 John 4, verses 7 through 21. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his, of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in him, sorry, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this love, by this is love perfected in us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, 
cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence with us this morning. We thank you for your love and the way you have revealed it. Lord, I ask that the the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts would bring you honor and glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so our main point is is that to know God is to love others because God is love. And here's our roadmap this morning. Um, I think these are points that you can pretty readily see in the passage that we just read. Um, So simple, straightforward, pretty basic. All right, so they are. Love comes from God because God is love. God showed his love for us by sending Jesus. Our love for each other is God's love accomplished through us. And love for others is a litmus test of our love for God. So like I said before, there's, there's so much on the subject of love in the Bible. Uh, we, we couldn't possibly mention every cross-reference for all these points. Um, but I encourage you that if, you're, if, if some of these like prick your heart or stir your soul, uh, to dig in and, um, and, and you know, follow some of those cross-references. And a lot of you have study Bibles. If not, you can use Bible Gateway or um, there's, there's lots of other resources that, that'll, um, that'll help you find the links in Scripture where, where, where thoughts and, and ideas are mentioned and uh, you can draw out some more of those truths. All right. So love comes from God. Uh, I, I could have also sort of used this title. Um, this, is, this is part of the invitation to love. Uh, so our, our, our chapters, or, sorry, our passage this morning started with this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Like I said, when Daniel was, when Daniel was sharing about the, uh, the, the gift, just the gift of, of, a, of a child, you know, that's such a wonderful gift. And all good gifts come from, from God. Um, James 1 verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Um, and I just, I just love that. I love that, that, that God gives us that as a gift and that he invites us to, to, to do that for one another. Um, if you are grateful for love that you receive, you, you need to know that that is from God. Um, the love that you feel is a gift from God. The love that you feel from others, the love that you feel from your parents, the love that you feel for your own children uh, is a gift from God. Uh, it's, also, it's also interesting that it says, let us love, from one, let us love one another, for love is from God. Uh, when you are loving someone, it is from God. Uh, so if you are wondering how to love someone, you need to know that you can't do it on your own. Uh, because love is from God. You need God's spirit in you, which you can ask for in prayer. I, I think that the phrasing of this, let us love one another. Uh, again, this is a reminder to do something we know to do, but it's a reminder because it doesn't always come naturally, right? It's not always the forefront of our mind. We revert always to selfishness and uh, our own perspectives. 
you know, it feels like it comes naturally maybe when you're dating or uh, you're first married or Christmas morning because everything's happy and you're giving gifts. Um, but uh, if somebody loses their temper or lets you down again, uh, those two are opportunities to love. Um, when, when we're reminded to love one another, it's in season and out of season. As a gift from God, through the power of God. So sometimes love is sacrificial. It requires letting go of self. And God showed us that. So our second point this morning is that God showed his love for us by sending Jesus. Uh, could also have called this the example of love. Our pastor says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world. We all have heard, I'm sure, John 3.16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. So love is sacrificial. Love sometimes is, uh, is giving up something that you don't want to give up. Love sometimes is uh, putting yourself second. So this is the season, of course, that we remember Jesus' birth and the, that gift of his son. You know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great thing that we look forward to, the celebration of Christ's uh, arrival humbly in a manger. But it's important to remember why he came, and not just that he came. He came not just as an example, although he was. He, he showed us how to love the outcast and the despised and the lowly. That was his example. But that's not the only reason he came. He, he, he didn't come just to teach us about, about God, although he did. He taught us through teachings and parables and uh, through healing. Uh, and again, by his example of, of, of loving people, he taught us that. But that's not why he came, not just why he came. Uh, he didn't just come to introduce the kingdom of God, although he did introduce it. And we looked at that and through this through the teaching of the parables and through much of his teaching, the, the Sermon on the Mount, and, um, you know, we went through the book of Matthew for a couple years, and it was so rooted in Jesus teaching us about what the kingdom meant. Well, ultimately, Jesus came to earth humbly, laid in a manger, with the end in mind that he was to die for us as an atoning sacrifice. Uh, this version says he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And if any of you have ever used that word in conversation, um, I doubt it. <laughs> what it means is that Jesus paid the price for our sin. Uh, later in the service, we're going to be uh, celebrating communion. And uh, this unleavened bread represents his sinless body broken for you. The wine or the grape juice represents his blood shed for us, reminders of Jesus' sacrifice, but also reminders of that Old Testament law uh, that required a lamb to be killed as a penalty for, our, for a person's sins. So, so those laws, those Old Testament laws were in place to teach us that we were sinful because we couldn't follow them all, and also to teach us that sin has consequences, namely death. 
And our, our physical death, yes, but also that, that death of separation from God that, that, that puts a wall between us and him. Uh, TJ, TJ talks about this last week when we were talking about joy, about how we can, about God's holiness is joy and how our sin keeps us from being present with his holiness and it keeps us from joy, but he's made the way uh, for that through his own love for us. He's made the way. So Jesus came ultimately to pay the debt for our sins by his own death and to bring us back into relationship with God. That is why he came. So Romans 5.8 says, God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, it says, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ. Hebrews 7, verse 26 and 27 says this, It is fitting that we should have such a high priest, speaking of Jesus, we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like Old Testament priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Interestingly, you know, the, the love of God in the person of Jesus is all through the Old Testament, and Hebrews is, the whole book is explaining so much of what we miss in the Old Testament about how much of that is pointing to Jesus. So uh, this passage is talking about Jesus both as the high priest and as the sacrifice, as the sacrificial lamb. He was, he was in both roles. I'm really looking forward to, I, I, I don't think this is a secret, sometime in the new year we're going to be uh, going through the book of Hebrews as our, as our next sermon series. I'm really looking forward to it. It is deep. It's a deep theological book. Uh, I, it dives so deeply into, in, into all the ways that, that Jesus is the, is the culmination and the, the pinnacle of all of what was taught us in the, uh, in the Old Testament law and all of what the prophets were revealing. It all, it's all focused on Jesus and, and what, he come, what he did when he came. Uh, it'll be rich in instruction. Uh, <clears throat> just, I'm just trying to hype it up here. Uh, you're, you're really going to love it. No matter how long you've been a Christian or how new you are, you're going to learn something when we, when we go through that, and um, it's just really great. Um, so there's, there's so much you need to know in the, in the Old Testament to understand some of the points that, that are made in Hebrews, um, and so this is, this is really going to be great. But this morning, we're going to you know, keep it simple. Jesus is both our high priest and our once and for all sacrifice, bringing us back into relationship with God. Jesus is the expression of God's love for us. Because God showed his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. All right, our third point this morning is that God, sorry, our love for each other is God's love. Uh, could have also called this section the power of love, but I was afraid that you would think of Huey Lewis, so I didn't do that. Um, our love for each other is God's love. So our passage we read, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. 
perfected in the way of like completed, perfected in the way of like um, that's, that's how, like I said earlier, when we receive love and we're grateful for it, we're grateful for the person, but we've got to see beyond that and we've got to be grateful to the Lord because if we are receiving love, all love comes from God. So that makes, that makes you a conduit of God's love into the world, into the people that you relate with, into, the, um, into your family unit, into the grocery store, into your community, into your workplace. You are a conduit of God's love. Jesus told us, and in, in, uh, it's recorded in John 13, that he said, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Jesus also taught us the, the greatest commandment in the book of Matthew when uh, it says this, When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. So he's asking Jesus this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So we're to love God and we're to love our neighbor. And loving our neighbor is like loving God. The second is like unto it, right? So loving your neighbor is a way that we can love God. It's just like loving God. Loving one another shows people that we are Christ followers. And as we love one another... God indwells us, and his love is perfected in us. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. That's, a, that's an amazing thing. That's a, to, be, to be invited and to be participants in God showing his love for the world. That's a, that's a rich and deep truth that that should be an encouragement. It should be an encouragement. Moms and dads, when you're loving your own children, that's participating in God loves for the, God's love for the world. You, you stumble down at 3 a.m. to mix that bottle, that's, that's God's love for the world. That's God's love for your child. You know, when you, uh, when you call up that old friend that pops into your mind to say Merry Christmas or say how you doing, that's God's love. That's, that's God's love in the world. When, uh, when you send that check off to that charity every month, even though you'd, you know, you'd maybe you're, you'd rather be saving for that thing you want to buy, that's, that's God's love. That's, that's you participating in God loving the world. That's great, right? When, uh, when you do those extra chores for your spouse because they're stressed out and you don't tell them, that's, that's God's love. It doesn't count if you tell them. It doesn't count. You can't, you can't pat yourself on the back. It takes the power out of it. But it's exciting to, be, it's exciting to think about that you can be part of God loving the world, right? That's a, that's a beautiful thing. So be encouraged by that. Um, but in that encouragement, we can't, we can't skip over that other part of the, the self-examination part. Um, because what we learn about on Sunday morning isn't about what happens on Sunday morning. It's about what happens the other 167 hours of the week. So our fourth point is this. Our, our love for others is the litmus test for our love for God. And I could have also called this section the discipline of love. 
and not discipline in terms of like punishment or uh, discipline in terms of like uh, dedication to a to a task. You know, like the discipline that gets you up to exercise every morning instead of sleeping in, or gets you up to you know have your prayer time instead of um, checking Facebook. That sort of discipline that says I'm going to discipline myself to to do this, because sometimes love. It, doesn't come from a place of emotion. Sometimes love comes from a place of decision. So this is the litmus test. Um, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he, he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. So that's a hard, that's a hard truth. That's a hard standard to live up to. Uh, Romans 13, 8 through 10 says this, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any, any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, I'm willing to bet that if you give it some thought, especially if you ask the Spirit to help you, you'll be able to know and remember the ways that you aren't entirely loving. Uh, n none of us are. Generally speaking, we know we mess up. We know when we've... We know when we've uh, snapped. We know when we've, uh, when we've been selfish. We know when uh, we've put our own needs above the needs of others. We know those things. We don't like to focus on it, but we know it. And we know that we ought to. We know what we ought to do. We know how we ought to be loving. And we know how we, um, we know how we ought to be loving our neighbor as, as ourselves. And we know that we fail. But that's, here's the message of grace. That's the whole point. That's why Jesus came. It's because we mess up. Because we, we can't, in our human forms, love the way God loves. We can't, in our, in our own strength, be the love of God. It takes his power. It takes his spirit flowing through us. It takes the sacrifice of Christ making a way for us to be in his presence, to have his power, to do his will. We need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We need the forgiveness that Christ bought with us with his sacrifice. But we are invited to be participants in the way God loves the world. And that is a joy. We're gonna, we are going to go uh, in a few moments to communion. And this self-reflection uh, is part of the preparation for coming forward and for, for remembering Christ's sacrifice. And the self-reflection isn't for you to say, all right, I'm going to think about it, and yes, I'm doing pretty good, and somehow in my mind I'm going to justify and say I'm, I'm somehow worthy of, of, of taking the body and the blood. The, the opposite is actually true. The point of self-reflection is to remind you of the ways that you need 
the forgiveness that Christ bought for you. And for you to celebrate the fact that this is the gift of God. His love for you is so great that he sent his son to die in your place and to win you back into relationship with him. So we're going um, to have a couple songs. I'm going to ask the, the, the band to come back up. And, um, as, they, as they play, um, as we prepare, pray in your hearts. Take as long as you need to ask God to show you the ways you haven't been loving others, the opportunities he may have for you to love on his behalf, and then gratefully, gratefully receive the bread and the wine knowing that your price is paid and that you are made worthy by his sacrifice to love, to love others on his behalf. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for the love that you showed us by sending him to die for us. We thank you for the opportunity to be participants in your love to the world by loving others through your power. We're grateful for this. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.